Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. You got to get it done. This young Cinderella is coming out of nowhere. He's got about 350 yards up. He's going to get about 500 yards up. Don't you think? He's got a beautiful dash. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Hey, have you ever heard the term a day late and a dollar short? I was trying to get this out Friday, but the best laid plans of mice and men, and so that story goes. But I'm here with a full cooler. I got the heated seats going on up here on the bleachers. So come on up and let's talk some sports. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! Are you crying? There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? To infinity and beyond. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Well, the Rams are the Super Bowl champions. Spring training will not start on time. More trouble for the Washington Commanders. Drama on the ice at the Olympics, more upsets in top 25 college basketball, and a whole lot more on this episode of Talking Sports on the Bleachers. I am Don Glenn, your host, and we're going to get it started. You know, I'm proud to be part of Gateway City Sports Network, and here you're going to find plenty of articles about sports in the St. Louis area. You'll find information on the Cardinals and the Blues, the University of Missouri. We don't stop there, though. We feature the Battle Hawks, the University of Illinois, regional and national sports as well. So go to GatewayCitySports.com, check us out on Facebook at Gateway City Sports, or follow us on Twitter at Gateway City SPRT. And check out our podcast while you're at it as well. We have Yacker Jacks, the Two for Three, the Team of Rivals, and the often imitated but never duplicated Derek King Sports Show. All right. Well, since I mentioned the Super Bowl first, we'll start with the Super Bowl. So here we go. 
and it was built to be a really good game, and uh, it was for the most part. Now, I did not get to see a lot of it, uh, but what I saw, uh, at least the first quarter, was a pretty pretty good matchup. The last couple minutes, though, you got to wonder what the heck is going on with the NFL referees. I mean, to tell you, it was it bad. That's just all there's to it. I, I can't say any more about that. Uh, in the last 147, you had that holding call on Logan Wilson, the uh, defensive back, or linebacker, excuse me, for, uh, for uh, the Bengals. And, you know, it was a ticky-tack little foul that I don't think you really should call at that stage of a game in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. Well, so did uh, Devondre Campbell of the Green Bay Packers. He tweeted out this, I'm going to say this and I don't care what anybody thinks. That was not pass interference against Logan Wilson on the goal line. That was a great play against a really good football player. But for some reason, people automatically assume that a linebacker versus a wide receiver is an automatic mismatch. And that may be true. I mean, you know, there are maybe some fans out there that think that that's always going to be a mismatch and a wide receiver is always going to win. Um... Yeah, it depends on the situation, depends on the players. I mean, there have been some pretty fast linebackers, uh, pretty good uh, pass coverage guys uh, over the years. But see, upon further review, the holding call should never have happened. should never have been called. And not because it wasn't holding. No. It's because the referees missed... They missed the false start by not one, but four... Rams offensive lineman. Both tackles immediately jumped back two steps, and then the guards jumped back, and then the ball got hiked. Uh, should have been a dead play at that point. But the interference call gave him fourth and goal of the one. And by any scope of their imagination, it should not have been fourth down. It should have, or first down. It should have been uh, either for their fourth down. It should have been backed up to at least the 13. That changes the whole dynamic. You know, you give them a fresh set of downs, which they shouldn't have had, and you give it to them at the one-yard line instead of 10, 13 yards back, which is where they should have been. So I don't know what's going to happen with that, and probably nothing. Um, but it just seems like, especially the playoffs, it's been more prominent. You've seen these mistakes by the by the referees. and I don't know. Um, only time will tell if anything will change. Uh, but this is the second Super Bowl win for the Rams. However, this is the first time that the Los Angeles Rams have won a Super Bowl. The last Super Bowl that the Rams won were, was when they were in the city of St. Louis. So this has kind of left a little bit of a bad taste in many St. Louis fans' mouth. Uh, the Rams celebrating this Super Bowl as their second Super Bowl. Well, you know, one came in St. Louis. And, you know, Stan Kroenke right now is about as popular in St. Louis as the Grinch is in Whoville, okay? <laughs> I mean, you're a mean one, Mr. Kroenke. Yeah, I wonder if anybody could rewrite that song and have somebody like, that had the voice of like Basil record that. I think it would sell pretty well in St. Louis right now, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Maybe a couple other cities, too. You just never know. Hey, another NFL news, the Washington Commanders have fallen under investigation. Yet again. Uh, but more correctly, I should say, it's Daniel Snyder who is under investigation again. 
Um, this is the first time actually that the commanders, and I'm putting air quotes for those of you who can't see me because I'm recording this and not live on YouTube or whatever, but the commanders have never been investigated until now. Uh, Daniel Snyder, however, has been investigated as the owner of the Redskins, the owner of the Washington football team, and now the owner of the commanders. And it's all stemming from the uh, Federal House Oversight Committee Roundtable that was held uh, a month or so back. And uh, so the NFL's launched another independent inquiry, and they've kind of gone a little uh, hardcore on this one, actually, as uh, they've tabbed former U.S. Attorney Mary Jo White to lead the investigation. Now, if that name sounds familiar to some of you, it should be, because Mary Jo White was the person who led the investigation into former Carolina's owner, Jerry Richardson. Richardson wound up having to sell the team after allegations of workplace misconduct. White was also part of the Bounty Gate investigation of the New Orleans Saints, which ultimately led to the suspension of Sean, head coach Sean Payton for a year. So I think they're getting serious finally in the NFL offices and uh, we'll see how that investigation plays itself out. In other football news, the USFL released its draft order uh, the other day and the eight-team draft will go like this. Michigan Panthers will draft, draft first, Tampa Bay Bandits second, the Philadelphia Stars third, followed by the New Jersey Generals, then the Houston Gamblers, Birmingham Stallions, Pittsburgh Maulers, and bringing up the rear in the first round will be the New Orleans Breakers. Now, the last time the USFL suited up for action was in 1985. Uh, the draft is set for February 22nd, which will be Tuesday, and the first game is set for April 16th. The three-game postseason is they'll have... Uh, Two winners, or four winners playoff, two winners, and then of the, the, the championship. Um, we'll start on June 25th in Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. At the Olympics, the USA women's team, USA women's ice hockey team, uh, competed for the gold medal and lost to Canada, thereby getting the silver. They lost three to two. Now, this same matchup occurred in 2018, but with a different outcome as the US, Team USA won the gold uh, in the last Olympics against Canada. Uh, the U.S. men's hockey team, they failed to make the medal round. Uh, so, no gold, no medal for the men. Uh, Russian Olympic Committee skater Kamila Valieva who tested positive for a banned substance earlier before the Olympics and was the subject of uh, an issue with the team competition was uh, cleared to skate and cleared of any doping charges. So the team gold medal uh, stands for the Russians, and she was allowed to skate in the individual event. However, that didn't turn out well for her as she fell a couple of times, almost a third time, stumbled on a couple other jumps, but she still managed to finish fourth. Didn't get a medal, but she was fourth. I wonder how you fall twice and end up fourth. I, that's a question for the, for the judges. Maybe the French judge gave her a nine. I don't know. 
In NASCAR, the 64th running of the Daytona 500 was won by rookie Austin Sindrick, who started the race in the fifth position outside row three. He held off a challenge from Bubba Wallace in a two-lap overtime shootout. Sindrick is the ninth driver to get his first cup victory at Daytona. Kyle Larson was the pole sitter for the event. He finished 11 laps back. The Bush Light Clash winner, Joey Logano, will start, uh, started uh, at the rear of the field. He ended up finishing 23rd. And defending champion Michael McDowell started, with, started sixth outside of row three and finished seventh. In golf, Scotty Scheffler won three-hole playoff at the Phoenix Open. He bested Patrick Cantlay. Uh, Scheffler was uh, sixth going into the final round, or six under going into the final round. But a flurry of birdies put him in a position to win. He missed a 17-foot putt on the final hole that would have given him the win. He won the final hole uh, of the playoff on a 26-foot putt, and the win is Scheffler's first in 71 PGA starts. Uh, this week, the oh, or uh, yeah, Yokon, I'm hoping I'm getting this name right. Yoquin Neiman won the Genesis Invitational by two strokes over Colin Morikawa and Cameron Young. Neiman led every round of the event and became only the fourth golfer in the event's history to do so, and the first since 1969. I'm going to take a quick little break right here, and we're going to hear about Fifth Street Motors. Hey, Don Glenn here for Fifth Street Motors. We all know buying a vehicle can be stressful, but it doesn't have to be. Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, will help you find the vehicle you need no matter what brand. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. Give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306 and tell them Gateway City Sports sent you. Hey, and we're back. Let's turn to the NCAA. The hopes of an expanded 12-team college football playoffs were squashed like a bug on Friday as the announcement was made that the playoffs would stay at, at four teams until the year 2026. Uh, back in 2019, the Committee of Four, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, and Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson were given the task of delving into and exploring playoff expansion. First they looked at eight teams, and then most recently uh, there was a talk of a 12-team playoff, which had fans all over excited. And in the three years, though, that they've been doing this study, um, the football landscape has changed, as you've had new commissioners in the Big Ten and the ACC. Um, and you've got the issue of Texas and Oklahoma moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. And then you've got BYU from the West Coast Conference and Houston, Cincinnati, and University of Central Florida, all from the American Athletic Conference, going to move to the Big 12. It's a large jumble. I think maybe they're waiting to settle it, see if everything settles down, and after some of these teams actually get into the new conferences and I don't think that's supposed to take place until 2024 so I could see you know putting it off a couple years but 2026 that this seems like maybe a little long and the NCAA doesn't seem to be 
causing much stink about it. They're not really pushing anything, and I think that just lends credence to that to the belief that college football is being ruled not by the NCAA, but by the Power Five conferences, those conferences being the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, and Pac-12. Uh, as long as those five conferences have a say-so in what is going on, you are going to probably see this situation uh, where conferences like the American Athletic Conference, like the MAC, like the Big Sky, um, they're not going to get the recognition in the college football playoffs that you normally would. Now, Cincinnati was in the college football playoffs this year. First time an AAC team, I think, has been in a football playoffs since they've been out, been uh, going. Um, but, you know, I think if they, if they would allow uh, an expansion to the playoff system. I think it would be better for college football, and they could do it. There's a, definitely a way to do it. I think one way would be to cut down all the number of minor bowl games that they have, uh, concentrate on a bowl system of just uh, top, what used to be, well, when I was growing up, used to be the, the bowl games you want to watch. I mean, that being the peach, the orange, the citrus, um, the gator, the cotton, the rose, you know, Fiesta, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, some of these other ones like the Pinstripe Bowl or the Motor City Bowl or, um, you know, quite frankly, I think we've got, I think it was last I looked, there was like 42 different bowl games and I think we could cut out 20 and really still be fine. Uh, we still have enough college football to watch in, in November and December and January. But, We'll see what happens as uh, they will continue and probably take it up in another couple of years once all the conference changes are done. Let's turn to college basketball. And with less than a month left before the NCAA tournament time, things are starting to really tighten up and you got, you're getting all the bracketology watchers coming out of the woodwork. Uh, uh, I'm starting to kind of look into that a little bit, see what, what, what uh, teams are there, what teams are are uh, coming up and, and going down and all that kind of good stuff. The bubble watches have all started now. Uh, probably in the next couple weeks you're going to see the uh, last four in and the first four out uh, pairing, or uh, um, I don't want to say pairings, but uh, nominations or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, guesses, I guess, would be the best, or predictions. Um, but uh, we'll see what, we'll, we'll track that for the next couple of weeks until the, the uh, 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 tournament starts. And uh, in the latest AP poll, uh, Gonzaga is number one, Auburn number two. They switched places from last week. Uh, Arizona and Kentucky each moved up one space. Arizona is now thir three, Kentucky is four. Uh, Purdue drops down from three to five. Kansas is up to six. Baylor moves up to number seven. Providence is up to number eight. Duke moves down two spots to number nine. Villanova Cracks the top 10, moving up five spots to number 10. Texas Tech down to a number down to 11. Illinois is up to number 12. UCLA dropped to 13. Houston, the biggest fall of the bunch, dropped eight slots to 14th. Wisconsin came in at 15th, down one spot. Tennessee was up three spots to 16. USC up four spots to 17, Ohio State down two to 18, Michigan State was down two to 19, Texas stayed at number 20, Murray State 
up uh, first, uh, came in last week at 23. They're up to 21. Wyoming breaks into the top 20, 25, excuse me, at 22. Arkansas also jumps back into the top 25 at 23. Yukon State at 24. And Alabama's back in at number 25. Dropping out of the top 25 were Marquette, Xavier, and LSU. Uh, scores earlier in the week, Penn State took down the number 19 Spartans of Michigan State in Pennsylvania, 62-58. to Number 10, Villanova upended number 8, Providence, 89-84. It was number 16, Tennessee, taking down rival number 4, Kentucky, 76-63. Number 22, Wyoming found out it's tough to be ranked as they lost to New Mexico, 75-66. to Rutgers continued their giant killing ways as they took down number 12, Illinois, 70-59. For the Scarlet Knights, it was their fourth straight win over a ranked opponent and fifth overall this year. Number 11, Texas Tech beat number 7, Baylor, for the second time this year, 83-73. In top 25 games this weekend, which there were some pretty good ones. Uh, Gonzaga, number 1, cruised past Santa Clara, 81-69. Auburn was upset by Florida, 63-62. Number three, Arizona slid past Oregon, 84-81. Kentucky revenged their loss to Tennessee by beating Alabama, 90-81. That was number 25, Alabama, by the way. Number six, Kansas had no trouble with West Virginia, 71-58. Duke walked over Florida, 88-70. It was Florida State, by the way. Uh, Number 10, Villanova. Got their second win of the week, beating Georgetown, 74-66. Number 11, Texas Tech, beat number 20, Texas, 61-55. Number 12, Illinois, took their frustrations out on Michigan State and beat the number 19, Spartans, 79-74. Number 13, UCLA, UCLA handily beat Washington, 76-50. Number 16, Tennessee, lost to number 23, Arkansas, 58-48. Hopefully that Kentucky win will keep them... In the top 20, we'll see. Number 18, Ohio State was beaten handily by Iowa, 75-62. to Look for them to move down. Number 21, Murray State gets past Tennessee, Martin, 62-60. to Number 22, Wyoming beat Air Force, 75-67. And number 24, UConn topped Xavier, 72-61. to On Sunday, Purdue avoided a second loss to the giant killer Rutgers, uh, winning at home, 84-72. to Number 8, Providence, squeaks by Butler, 71-70. Number 14, Houston, just gets by Wichita State, 76-74. And in a game with a really weird, sad, and uh, terrible ending for NCAA sports, Wisconsin, number 15, Wisconsin, beat Michigan, 77-63. That wasn't the story of the game. The story of the game was the post-game handshake. When Greg Gard approached the center court, Juwan Howard, who was upset uh, after Gard had called a timeout with 15 seconds to go in the game and up by 14 points, uh, he was upset with the call saying that it was shouldn't have happened, that he shouldn't have called timeout. His team should have had a chance. You know, Juwan, I don't know what you think about your team, but you're down 14 points. One possession isn't going to make a difference. Let's just call it like it is. And the reason Guard said he called the timeout was because he wanted to reset the 10-second clock because the um, bench players that he had on the court at the time were having trouble getting the ball across midcourt. So he called the timeout to reset the 10-second clock and give them a chance to 
uh, play. Um, and Howard, he took a little exception to that and almost did not get into the handshake line, but eventually did. And when he and guard met at uh, midcourt, he acted like he was going to walk right past and not recognize uh, the coach. Uh, then the words were exchanged. Um, and uh, Juwan Howard, from what I saw of the event, uh, looked like he shoved guard and then grabbed him. Um, then players got involved, and there was a big scrum there in the middle of the court, or on the sideline at, the, at half court. Uh, and eventually, Juwan Howard threw a punch and hit uh, one of the Wisconsin uh, assistant coaches. So, uh, an ugly scene, uh, to be sure. And I think uh, if the Michigan AD was not talking to Juwan on the plane ride home, I can guarantee you first thing tomorrow morning or Monday morning, uh, those two are going to have a discussion. Um, I don't know. I can't say what's going to happen. Nobody's going to know. I mean, that's going to be between the AD and, and Coach Howard. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think at least he warrants a suspension and fine. Um, suspension from the university uh, or by the university if they're not willing to go hard on them I guarantee you the Big Ten will or the NCAA um, I could actually see Howard losing his job over this a la Woody Hayes back in the 70s um, and in one final game today a top 25 note number 17 USC slipped past Washington State 62 to 60 now, the NCAA has released their uh, top 16 seeds as it stands now for the NCAA tournament. Um, they've got it broken, broken down this way. Uh, the number one seeds are going to be Gonzaga in the west, Auburn in the midwest, Arizona in the south, Kansas in the east. Uh, then the number two seeds uh, going again east, or excuse me, west to east, Duke in the west, Purdue midwest. Baylor in the south, Kentucky in the east, uh, Illinois gets the three seed in the west, Texas Tech gets the three seed in the midwest, three seed in the south goes to Tennessee, Villanova gets the three seed in the east, and the number four seed will be Texas in the west, UCLA in the midwest, Providence in the south, Wisconsin in the east. I understand the idea that you want to try and keep conference foes, um, big, the bigger conference foes from, from meeting each other in uh, bracket play in this in the in the different uh, sections, uh, but I think they kind of went a little overboard on a couple of these here. Uh, I mean, and it and it's gonna, it's going to be tough because you've got four teams from the Big Twelve, three from the Big Ten, and three from the SEC. So making all that fit um, in the different regions that you're given can be tough, especially when you're talking at a conference like the Big Ten which pretty much everybody is in the Midwest. So it does make it interesting. Um, I do think, though, that Kansas and, and, and the, in the uh, number one seed line, I think Kansas and Auburn in the wrong. I think Auburn should be in the East and Kansas should be in the Midwest. Uh, in the two line, I have no idea why what they were smoking to put Duke in the West. Uh, that just makes... I mean... I granted, granted, everybody else is still pretty much east of the Mississippi, with the exception of Baylor. Uh, but Baylor's actually further more south. I mean, you could do a uh, Baylor uh, in the West 
Kentucky to the south, Duke to the east, leaving Purdue in the Midwest, which is where Purdue should be. I mean, right now they're the tops in the Big Ten, so they should get the Midwest uh, slot. Um, just like I think Kansas should probably get, well, actually Baylor's probably the top in the Midwest, so or in the uh, uh, Big 12, so that could be argued as well. Um, in the uh, three-seed line, Illinois out west, Texas Tech in the Midwest, you could flip those two back and forth, but then again, like I said, you would have Purdue and Illinois in the, in the same region, and that's something they would, they would uh, the uh, tournament committee would want to avoid. Um, Tennessee in the south and Villanova in the east, those two are, are rock solid as far as the number three goes. Uh, the four seed, Texas in the west, UCLA in the midwest, again, uh, that is also predicated because you have Texas Tech in the Midwest, and so putting Texas there would be like putting Illinois in the Midwest. Um, then you have Providence in the South and Wisconsin in the East, and I'm just not so sure. I mean, I think maybe they they've made a mistake in in one respect by. Uh, uh, Maybe putting Wisconsin up so high, or putting Texas actually up so high. I don't you you know I don't know. Uh, we'll see how this runs out. You know this is still early. I mean you still got a couple three weeks left, and this probably will change. Um, I don't see the the top four changing unless uh, Arizona or Kansas, uh, you know, kind of fall off the face of the earth. What you know, and in that case, you could see a Kentucky or a Baylor, maybe even a Purdue, uh, jump up to the one line. Uh, but I think probably that one line is going to be set. Um, now, Purdue also could, could take a, uh, a huge hit. As, like I said, Illinois and Wisconsin are chasing them. Uh, Kentucky with the SEC, I mean, they're, they're trying to fight their way and, and take over where Auburn is at. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of shifting to go around yet still, I think, as far in, in uh, the way that goes. So uh, I'm going to take a little bit of here to talk about the University of Illinois uh, and the job that Brad Underwood has done. His fifth-year Illinois coach has completely changed the outlook and culture around Illinois basketball. Winning has now become an expectation in Champaign. Um, tough, hard-nosed rebounding, defense have been a key. And at least in my opinion, he has recruited very well the last couple of years um signing four-star recruits not just last year but he's got three more coming in next year he's made very good use of the transfer portal with alfonso Plummer. uh dan dangia is coming in next year or will be on the will be playing next year he's already in the university uh through the transfer portal so he's been able to bring in the right guys um and again four-star recruits not just any four-star recruits He's brought in Mr. Basketball of Wisconsin this year. He brought in the top player in Indiana this year. Next year, he's getting the top player in Illinois, the top player in North Carolina, the top player in Ohio. You know, He's taking guys away from these big schools that we used to lose to many, many years ago. I can remember uh, with Lou Henson when he coached, always having to uh, fight hard to get in-state recruits away from being taken away, let alone getting somebody uh, from another state uh, against you know, uh, teams like going up against teams like Purdue and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I don't under I don't and I don't know how Underwood is doing it. Uh, obviously, winning helps. Uh, that's for sure. 
but uh, he's been able to convince some of these guys. They've been able to buy in, and you're seeing it now with a guy like R.J. Melendez, um, uh, Luke Goody, who uh, earlier in the year provided some some good offense, and and now you've got the kids like uh, Ty Rogers, Jaden Epps, and Sincere Harris coming in next year, and yeah, you know, I'm really intrigued about the Jaden Epps because how did we steal somebody and against Tobacco Road? I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about college basketball with Tobacco Road. Tobacco Road is Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State. How did we get the top player in North Carolina and though and not have to butt heads against one of those three or all three of them? I don't know. Uh, but I think Underwood has really made a, a, a very big impact in Illinois and probably will continue. Um, I think that he's pointing this this team or this university, the program itself, toward a dynasty. Um, and uh, you want to check out my upcoming article about Coach Underwood in Gateway Cities, at gatewaycitysports.com. Uh, probably have it out uh, sometime midweek. And um, if you want uh, some further thoughts on, on Coach Underwood, uh, check out that article. Okay, let's uh, take another quick break here, and we'll hear about the Wiley Group. Hello, this is Don Glenn from Gateway City Sports. We all know how important it is to stay protected. Sometimes life throws you a curve, and that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They'll help you out with an insurance quote right over the phone. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. They do that too. We all have busy lives, so you can email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Okay, getting ready here for the final segment. And uh, I didn't really want to talk about baseball because, quite frankly, it's depressing to talk about, and it does nothing but get my blood pressure up. But I take in my blood pressure meds today, so we're going to give it a shot. Okay. Last week, there were two meetings between the Players Association and Major League Baseball executives. Uh, between the two, the meetings lasted less than two hours, and the last meeting went an entire 15 minutes. Um, this, I'm sorry, folks, but this is unacceptable. I mean, Rob Manfred and the owners locked out the players on December 2nd. And this lockout was supposed to be to speed up or to spur the negotiations. After the lockout was instituted, there were no negotiations for almost a month and a half. So my question to you, Mr. Ran Mr. Manfred, is just how fast did it speed it up? I mean, you know, King Manfred and his and his minions of owners 
they don't have a clue. They really do not have a clue. Right now, spring training is supposed to be going on. The pitchers and catchers were supposed to be reported four days ago. And regular players are supposed to report on Monday with the games supposed to be starting on Friday. Now there's not going to be no spring training games starting until at least March 1st. And the league is now given a deadline that if there is no agreement by the 28th of February, then the season will not start on time. Now, quite frankly, even if there is an agreement by the 28th of February, I don't see the season starting on time. I mean, you're going to give guys four weeks to get ready when it typically takes pitchers at least 10 days or nine days from the time they report to the first spring training game. So you're going to train for two weeks, have two weeks of spring training, and then jump into the season? And we're going to get some crappy baseball in April. If that happens, we are going to get crappy baseball in April. And do you think the fans are going to put up with that? No, I can guarantee this. And this is an open this is an open open comment to Rob Manfred. You are not looking at things the right way here. You are not negotiating. And of course, and this is also to Tony Clark, you're not negotiating either. All the two of you guys are doing, you're just here's our proposal, get back to us. Here's our proposal, get back to us. That's not negotiation, people. You two guys know better than that. And you or you should. A negotiation is where you go in and you say, okay, we want to take a look at the revenue sharing structure, okay? And you, know, and you talk. You don't sit there and say, we demand this, we demand that, no, you're not going to get it, see you later, goodbye, and get pissed off and leave after five minutes. That's not a negotiation. You start with saying, okay, uh, we want a 20% cut of the revenue sharing money to go toward a fund for minor league players then you discuss why and how and who and where they're not doing that I mean you look at it let's look at just one one issue that that this one and this is the one that really just I mean you want to talk about throwing my blood pressure into a this is the one that does it the players and owners have both agreed that they're should be some type of a pool of bonus money for pre-arbitration pre players um, that perform well or, or uh, uh, have high performance levels. And I think no fan would argue with that. Uh, but here's where the issues lie. Is they want to, the basis for this award or this bonus will be the, those who are in the top 30 of the war stats category, which is wins above replacement players. Uh, and there's a number of different categories, defensive war, offensive war, and I, you know, uh, I think anybody that, that has looked at stats knows that term. So they're going to do that. Top 30 are going to get a bonus. Okay, great, no problem. The bonus pool money that the players are demanding is 115 million dollars okay the league is countering with 
$15 million. Now, you say, what's the difference? Well, obviously, $100 million. But the bigger difference is uh, the pre-arbitration players, first three years of baseball, generally none of them make more than a million dollars a year. You might get a couple that are in that 1 to 1, 2, one or 1.2, 1. 1.5 area. But generally they're making $700,000 or less. First year players are only making five seventy-five right now. With a $115 million bonus pool, that figures out on the average of $3.8 million per player for a bonus. Now, a guy making $600,000 a year is going to get six times his annual salary as a bonus what who does that name me I want somebody out there write in text in whatever tell me where there is a business out there that pays their employees a uh, a bonus six times their annual salary hell I'll even say three times their annual salary tell me where that business is because I want an application I'm going to take right now I want to apply for a job there because it isn't done and yet the Players Association thinks this is a reasonable offer it's not reasonable it's no more reasonable than Manfred locking the players out this whole uh Boy, what's a nice word I can use? Family-friendly word I can use in case kids listen to this. Um, this whole menagerie is goes to prove one thing: that there is a lack of leadership in Major League Baseball and in the Players Association. Neither group has anybody that knows anything about leading. They have no leadership skills because they're not negotiating. They're not even trying. Back in 2020, during the pandemic, they came together and they they, they worked and they pushed together a 20 or 60 game season. So if they can do that in a couple months' time, why in the devil can they not get this done now? They should have done it back then when they, when they were already negotiating. Hey, let's make this part of the next CBA. They could already have a lot of this. They could have had a lot of this stuff in place, set up, and done. But no, they want to they wanna sit there and play the media game and try to blame each other for the problem. It, it's, just, it's frustrating. It's just flat frustrating. And, I'm, and I'll make this pitch again. I know it's not going to happen, so don't sit there and write me and say, Don, this is not going to happen. They're not coming out. I know that, okay? But I'm going to do it again anyway. I challenge Rob Manfred or Tony Clark or both to come on this show, contact me, and let me talk to them. Let me ask them questions. 
Because I'm not going to ask the softball questions. I'm going to ask the one the hardball questions. Why are you doing this? What makes you think you deserve all of this now? And what makes you think you can stiff these players, these minor leaguers, who most of them, you know, I, I, most of the minor leaguers, especially in your rookie and A ball area, do not even they don't even come close to making what the what the guys in AAA and the guys in AAA are far below what a major leaguer makes. So if you want to fix this system, if you want to get more younger players money, and I'm talking to the players association now, if you want to do that, then quit trying to increase your own damn salary. Quit trying to make it about you. Make it about the players that you're trying to represent. The ones that are busting their butts in places like Birmingham, and Peoria, Johnson City. Talk to, you know, Work for those guys. Because they're the ones that are coming up that are going to want that money. Your guys, the guys like, like Carlson and, 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 and Soto, uh, Soto, they're making their money. I mean, let's face it. You make $575,000 for three years. If you play your investments right and you know what you're doing, you're set for life. You're set for life. Now, some of them have agents which have no idea about doing anything like that and don't care except for filling their own pockets, and that's their problem. But, you know, and people say, well, they're, they're athletes. They're different than us, than, than you and I. Okay, I give you that. But that doesn't change anything. They're still making millions upon millions of dollars for the most part playing a kid's game and they think we we owe it to them or that they that they uh, are entitled. They're not. But you know something? And I'm gonna be quite serious here. Even if the season gets delayed, even if we have a issue with baseball starting on time. When they start playing again, we're going to fill the stadium. We're going to go there and we're going to lay down our $30 a ticket, our $15 for a beer, our $9 for a hot dog. We're going to do it. And you know why? Because we can't get baseball, well, any, well, yeah, baseball for the most part, football too, but and and depending on what sport you really are into but sports is a is it it's like a drug and we are addicted we are addicted to sports we will do and pay whatever it takes to go watch a ball game uh for the most part i mean you're going to have some people that and they there are some some people i do know of that after the last strike have not been back to a major league stadium and that's fine and that's actually what it takes we stop going to ball games you know uh it'll hurt them now will it hurt them bad enough no because they've got all these television contracts so we're gonna have to stop watching ball games and i don't know people are going to sit there and stop watching i've already listened to talk to a couple guys on facebook saw one post today guy said you know even if they miss the season I'll still come back to the stadium. I'll st I'm like, okay. And that's what's going to happen. People are going to come back. 
they did after you know it granted it took after that last strike it took the home run chase between Sammy Sosa and, and Mark McGuire but when you've got some of these young exciting kids that are in the game right now like Fernando Tatis Jr. um and Vlad Vlad Guerrero Jr. yeah you got kids like that you know, people are going to go want to see them because these kids are generational talents and you know, so it, it it's going to happen we're going to go back uh, let's just hope we go back to a game that is recognizable. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. Hey, I want to remind you guys, I still have the fam, fan forum contest going on. Um, yeah, I love doing this. This has, been, this has been a lot of fun for me. But I can't do it without you guys. You the fans. Um, so I want to do a fan forum. Because at Gateway City Sports, we say we are uh, we are for fans by fans, and if that's the case, I want to get you guys involved. So um, send your questions in. We're going to have a, a show where it's going to be fans' questions, and uh, we're going to try. I'm going to try. Hopefully, if some of you guys want to come on with me, uh, you guys can help me answer these questions. Uh, so send emails to tsotb.gcs at gmail.com or you can send me a message on Twitter at tsotbgcs or at bigd underscore gcs. Uh, let me know if it's just going to be a question or if you're going to if you want to be on the show. Uh, I also post this on many different Facebook pages, so you can always put a little, and I check those regularly, so you always put a, a comment on the Facebook page, on the post, um, and uh, tell your friends about this, tell your friends about the contest, tell your friends about the podcast. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. So, with that being said, and until next time, you guys have a great day. Bye. Thanks again for joining us, and you have been listening to Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Here's hoping you have a great sports day.